Welcome back, everybody, to the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the megacity metropolis of Toronto. I am your host, Eric Anthony. This is episode 148. And of course, coming back to the cave is none other than our fellow co-host and frequent guest. But this time, he's actually a guest talking about some of the things he's been working on. Cave of Solitude member Shane Heron. Welcome back to the show, Shane. Oh, hey. Hi. Hey. <laughs> How's it going, dude? Uh, it's going pretty good, actually. I'm just closing my door, but I never close my door, and Riley, my dog, is not happy about it. Oh, is she going to get upset while you podcast? No, she just lead her way through the door anyway, so we're good to go. She's just going to be hanging around. So she's uh, she's she's got a bit of cabin fever because we don't get out too much because it's been so cold. I know it's tough in the winter, right? Even with my dog, it's like in and out. Does she need to wear a jacket outside? Not a jacket. I got her this one, but she had like a limited range of motion. She looked miserable, so I had to take it <laughs> off. Uh, she has to wear the little boots because her paws get so cold. She starts limping. Oh really? Does she get salt yeah. in her paws? Yeah, but it's been like it's been so cold that even with the boots on, I had to, I had like a few times I had to carry her home. Oh, poor pup. Yeah, well, but yeah, it's all right. It's good. The winter, the winter is rough. I mean, I, even with my dog, it's in and out. I feel bad for her because she could probably run all day long. But winter time, man, it's killer. That's the thing is like she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to come home. Like she wants to be out, even though she's freezing and limping, and I'm fucking freezing too. <laughs> but she. She wants to be outside all the time. Yeah, I know. Dog's life. They're they're all cooped up because of us. So I was going to ask you something before. Now I forgot. This is – oh, this is what I was going to say. This is a, a a first time for you in many ways because we every time we've podcasted together with me, you, and Martin or when you've been on my show, just me and you, it's always been one-on-one face-to-face. This is your first time – is this your first time doing a Skype podcast? No, I uh, I did one two days ago. What? With a, yeah, I cheated on you guys. Oh man, jerk. Well, no, that's why. Like mainly, that's I've been wanting to. So people are gonna laugh that I'm just learning how to use Skype. Like it's so hard. <laughs> but uh, this is my first time skyping. Can you hear me? Okay, I can hear you just fine. Skyped it uh, went all funny, remember, and then we hung up. Uh, but yeah, this there's a guy. Um, he does a podcast called True North Country Comics Podcast. His name is John Swinimer. Super nice guy, super great show, and they're just like little ten minute interviews with a lot of creators in Toronto and in Canada. And uh, he he's out in Brampton, and he wanted to Skype, so that's why I thought like, and I. <laughs> I didn't want to learn how to Skype, so I was like, why don't we just meet up? But he insisted on Skyping. Uh, <laughs> this guy, he's all business. He doesn't mess about. But uh, so I Skyped with him, like, I think it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, this isn't your first time. I'm disappointed. Well, that's okay. I'm happy that we were able, me and Martin were able to give you a couple tips on how to Skype, right? Especially Martin. Yeah. He did more of the, the, the heavy lifting. Is, uh, open the app and then talk into my phone. <laughs> yeah, we were like, what do you mean it's you don't know how to Skype? <laughs> I thought you got to have like a whole headset and shit. Like everyone, I think you're going to do it on your computer, but I just I realized like it's, it, the, the app came with my phone, so I could just do it. That's so it's it. pretty easy. Just put in the email address. Awesome. Well, I'm a moron. Well, this just means that we can podcast so much more and even do like me, you and Martin on a on a Skype call and not always have to plan things six months in advance just so the three of us can meet up for a podcast, right? Yeah, but we can go to eat at vegan restaurants that we meet up. That's right. That that we can't do over a Skype call. We yeah. We go to mediocre Italian vegan restaurants in Vaughn. With no pasta on the menu. <laughs> no pasta. I'm right now. I'm not even joking. Right now, I'm cooking a vegan lasagna. That is, it's gonna be amazing. Man, you always talk about what you make or, or take pictures of it, and then it's never. We can never have something like that's not nice. What do you mean? I've given you guys banana bread pies. It's I've true. Given you guys all kinds of stuff. It's true. I'm not saying you haven't, but then you said, "Look at these special cookies I made," or "Look at this special pasta I made," and we're like, "Yeah, we can't have it. Like it's so delicious, but it's gone now." Thanks. Why? 
I, I have. I made a bunch. I'm, I'll, I'll hook you up. Okay, f- freeze a piece of the lasagna for me. I want to try your vegan lasagna. Oh, I, so I made this uh, like plant-based cheese substitute, like this cheese sauce essentially, and I made way too much of it. So I made actually three lasagnas last night. So two of them are frozen. Next time we meet up, I'll bring you them. All right. Cheese. What is it? A plant-based cheese replacement? Sounds horrible, but I'll try it. No, it tastes like cheese. It's yeah. like it's essentially it's kind of like um, it's almost like making a plant-based like bechamel sauce. Okay. So it's just so you put it in the in the, in the lasagna, so it's like as if you have cheese. But no, it tastes great. It's basically you make like a roux. Is this going to be interesting to people if I explain how to make this? But you use oil, uh, like coconut oil or something like that, and you use flour, and then you add plant-based milk, like an almond milk or something like that, and then you add nutritional yeast, which gives it a like cheesy like flavor and texture. Do you use seitan? No, not for no. <laughs> <laughs> You're devil. I never food. wanted to say that. I'm always like, "Oh, it's delicious." What was it made of? Satan. I don't know. Like, but it's it's good. No, no, you don't use that for this. There's no, there's no tofu, no seitan, no tempeh in this. It's just veggies, lasagna noodles, and my plant-based uh, bechamel. Awesome. Well, I'll 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 give it a shot. Maybe Martin will be like, "No, oh, maybe not," because he he definitely wasn't on the vegan train with you. No, but that's because the Italian place we went to wasn't. It was. It wasn't very good for a vegan place. Yeah, it was okay. like for vegan restaurants, they got to be really good to blow like non-believers yeah, away. It's right? true. The place we went to was good though. That one downtown, that was good. Hogtown Vegan. Hogtown. Shout yeah, out Hogtown Vegan. Stuff. We're gonna talk about some comics. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about comics. <laughs> awesome. So. This summer, you you and uh, Ricky and Sam Noir launched the anthology book Cauldron at Cauldron. Fan, Fan Expo Canada. Correct? That's where it launched. That is correct. Officially launched at Fan Expo. So now issue two is just about to come out. Right? Ready for Comic Con, Toronto Comic Con? Yeah. We're so we we like to instead of calling it issue one, issue two, we're starting to call them. We're going with the magazine format. So. You know, uh, spring 2019. The last issue was fall 2018. Uh, okay. We're doing two a year, just because you don't have to have read the previous one to read this one, and I don't right. want people to think, "Oh, I can't have number two because I didn't buy number one." It really doesn't matter. It's not connected in any way, other than it's just another issue. That's actually a really good idea. Now that you put it in those terms, because comic book people are. OCD that way where they're like, oh, I'm a completist. I can't have it if I don't have the other one. But that's a good idea to keep people always yeah. like. And, and and we're literally putting it out sort of like uh, like magazine style. So like uh, right now it's just two issues a year. Ideally, I'd like to go quarterly. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, you just it, it almost feels like some people want to collect it because it feels nice to collect. But also it it's the type of thing you could roll it up, throw in your back pocket, like an old magazine and just, you know, read it on the toilet or whatever. Like it's disposable at the same time okay that you know what that's good i think um the collector the collector part of comic book fans is great but there's something about that childhood memory of comics where we used to just put them in our backpack and they would get tattered because we loved it was a sign of how much you loved it even though it was quote-unquote disposable you it was tattered only because it was your favorite thing so I, i like that concept that you guys are going with for it to have that sort of feel Actually, I would say that feel that vibe is like even earlier than our era because we grew up in the like speculator era where yes. everyone thought everything was going to be super uh, like worth a lot of money, so we all True. collected it and put it in bags and boards. Because like my dad's comics are, that he had that were thrown away were worth money now, so I thought mine were going to be worth money, but they're not rare, so nothing was worth anything. So we took all this care, and they're not worth anything. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember like the going to the the convenience store era before i could even read and those things were so like flimsy but they were all you know I, i'd restaple it because i just wanted to keep it all together but yeah you're right we we grew up in that other era i was like don't read them why are you reading it for that's so dumb but i i prefer i miss the like yeah like when i was really young my first books i bought at the convenience store before i knew that comic book shops were a thing and mm-hmm. they you know, the, the newsprint with like printing on it and it was just yeah like they felt almost like 
if you ruined it or spilled something on it, like it wasn't a big deal or like you read it and you just give it to your friend to read or something like that. It added like, like charm to it almost. Yeah. 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 I just, I think like, I don't know, like we're so attached to our things and everyone wants to collect things. And every single comic book guy I know has just long boxes filled yeah. with books and they don't know what to do with and they don't know how to stop it because they keep buying more. Right. And you just gotta, you gotta be able to just get rid of stuff too. And I like, it's not gonna be worth a million dollars. Who cares? It's just a book. Read it. Get a, get rid of it. Unless you really, really want to have like a nice, like I collect a nice thing of trades. But you've seen my house. I don't have that many. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. You got your select. Like I like that you're you're curated with with what you what you got. But with so speaking of cauldron, why should people why should people buy and collect this book instead of throwing it out? <laughs> Oh, they should throw it out when you're done with it. Throw it away. Okay. Or give it to like a Value Village or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the basic – so if anyone, I guess people who are listening don't know what Cauldron is or haven't heard me talk about it before, it's basically um, Ricky, Lima, Sam Noir, and I got together and put together this anthology magazine in the vein of the old heavy metal magazines or the old – creepy magazines um so it's a large larger format and uh the first issue had three stories one by myself sam noir and ricky and um a great cover by casey parsons uh and that was the first issue and we just wanted to start small put it out there and just just see and it's sort of like a horror fantasy type genre it's 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 vague though like you can go different ways with it but three short stories not connected um it did really well, and now we're doing a, a bigger, better version of the, uh, the next part, which is uh, the spring 2019 issue that we're planning to have for March Comic-Con in Toronto. Okay, so what, what's going to be different or bigger and better about um, the spring edition of Cauldron this time around compared to the first one? I think we just we're we have more content this time around, so we okay. have four stories as opposed to three because um, Casey Parsons, who uh, just is such an amazing artist, was his cover of ish, the first issue was sort of I think the reason for the success of the first issue of Cauldron. Uh, so we've actually and he's been so into it, we've taken him on. He's basically become our fourth editor. So basically, this issue we have four stories and. Uh, one is done by Casey Parsons, like okay. he's written and drawn it himself. Um, one is Sam Noir and Jason Toskowitz. Um, and then Ricky Lima is working with Keith Kirchow for his story. And while I didn't write and draw one in this one, I have Fearless Fred Kennedy and an artist named Jeffrey Miles who've done my story in the book that I'm, I've edited. And then on, so on top of the, having four stories, we have uh, Casey Pierce, who is um, she's of SourcePoint Press. She does Nora and just did a great Kickstarter for a book called Cirrus. Um, she's out of Michigan. She's amazing. She's done a one-page um, short story that's just going to be basically like prose. And we have um, Aaron Ong, if people in Toronto know him as Mad Sketch, the artist. He's doing sort of the accompanying illustration for that short story. Um, and then on top of that, we have um, our, our sort of Crypt Keeper character, uh, the seller, the dweller in the cellar, hmm. which is played in our video by uh, Jay Clark of an Elegant Weapon podcast. Shout out, Jay he's, Clark. He's, he's going to be sort of like our crib keeper for the cauldron and so there's a little intro story uh one page by uh sam noir's written it and robert freeman who did a story in the last issue he's drawing that too of of jay clark in his character uh dweller in the cellar and then on top of that we have a cover by adam gorham marvel's adam gorham you haven't shown it to me but i mean that that's uh that's a pretty big deal like Adam Gorham is is uh, you know a professional of of I don't know what the right words to put it, but like you said, he's he's working for Marvel. He's done things for Valiant. So to have him do the the cover art for the the second edition is a big deal. Good for you guys. Yeah, Adam is um, a friend of mine, and I so I've known him for about ten years now, and I I've just seen him grow and grow. And he worked for Fred's uh, book Teuton, and they're just he's just such a great artist. Um, and now I'm glad he's having the success he is. And while before he blows up even bigger, we've decided to snag him to do the cover for the next cauldron, which I'm going to look for. I'm going to send you right now while I'm, while I'm talking to you, I'm looking for it, but, uh, it looks insane. And Casey colored it. It looks oh, really wow. great. 
So what's the, is there, uh, obviously there's more stories, so it's a bigger, uh, bigger book. What's the page count this time around? I think it is 48 pages, about there, 44, 48, something like that. So are the um, stories going to be a little longer or is it still the same format of like story length? No, they're about the same just because instead of three stories now, there's there's four. So, But we aim for – it's not always the same, but the, the stories range at about 10 pages. Some are eight, some are 12, that type of thing. But we try to aim for an average of about 10 pages for a short story and make sure that the story concludes in a way that you don't feel ripped off because you have to buy a you know, to be continued or something like that. Hmm. And it, it, of course, I mean, there's always the potential like – for you to return to the world that you created in, in your first story, there's that thing where you can go back there if you wanted to and tell another kind of complete story if you if any of those guys wanted to do that, correct? Uh, absolutely. So, um, and people, like my story for the first issue, people have sort of come to me and been like, they want to they know more about this world that I've created and that type of thing, which I don't know if I plan to do that, but the creators definitely have the option to do that because what we're doing is people are creating their own stories, but the creators own the characters and the story that they're creating. Basically for a year, we have exclusive rights to it in the publishing cauldron. And then after that, they can do whatever they want with it. They want to continue it. They want to print it on their own, the story by itself, whatever they, those creators own those stories. So that's uh, they can do really do whatever they want with it. I just got the, the, the picture you sent me. The cover is incredible. That looks yeah, really, right? really good. Yeah, that's fantastic. I that's mean, the black and white by Adam Gorham. I'll send you. Um, I, I don't have it on my phone right now, but I'll send you the colored version by Casey and the finished cover after. But it, yeah, it looks it looks really insane. And is this uh, coinciding with somebody's story in the book? No, no, it's uh, complete. We just told Adam to do whatever he wants, like give him the basic uh, aesthetic of what we're going for and then just do something really cool and free, which as an artist myself, I like when people give you that freedom. Uh, But yeah, like I think the next issue we might do the cover sort of tying into one of the stories, but I feel like with, you know, I, I always go back to like the base model of like heavy metal and they, a lot of the time it was just a really, make it a really cool, maybe sexy cover. And, and it doesn't have to tie into anything that's going on inside that story. Right. Just something that grabs your attention and you, you'd see it on a rack and go like, Whoa, what is this? Yeah. Just like Casey's cover for the first issue. We told that we give this guy three days to make a Frazetta-esque painting and he knocked it out of the park. And everyone, I think that's part of why it was so successful. It hit all these sort of retro feels and everyone thought, like, ooh, what is that? Like, it looks, it's new, but it looks old at the same time. And just, like, there's, there's not a lot of people doing that sort of thing right now. So I think that's why it was so successful. Yeah. So what, it's an anthology book, and there's a lot of people that are doing anthology books, and a lot of them are great. But I always feel a little bit, um, when you're getting an anthology book, I'm almost like I'd rather just get someone's full story as opposed to these little bits of stories. But this being a magazine format, it feels a little different. What do you think it is that separates you guys from everybody else doing anthologies? Because, I mean, they're successful, but what is special about yours? Um, one thing I would say, again, it, it going back to what I just kind of said, it hits those retro feels for guys who are yeah you know late 20s 30s 40s even maybe a bit older they see something like this and it kind of just tickles them right in the right spot where they the go nostalgia. like that feels nostalgic but i don't i can't buy something like this in like a new version of it so i think there's definitely that uh which not everyone is doing but also like this whole thing kind of started with a conversation i had with ricky um about anthologies because I, I was always sort of not not against anthologies but I didn't really care too much about them because we'd been in a few but we found that our stuff always sold better than the anthologies we were selling at a table like I could have Black Hole Hunters Club 22 page comic or I could have a 200 page book of uh, Monstrosity which Ricky and I were both in and it has all this content but I would find that people would be more drawn to because when you, you're talking to someone at a con, they're buying into you, not just your product. So right. they see honors and they go, but this is all you. And you go, yeah, but this book, we got a story in here, but there's 200 pages of different stories. 
they're not less interested in that because they're not that's not just all you right like it's a so we found that i don't know with anthologies like i was just kind of like ah there's too many people are doing them because you know it's easy to do a kickstarter because you have so many creators involved but then eventually ricky and i had all these opinions about these uh, other anthologies that we'd see and they're they're everywhere right and yeah uh some more successful than others and I would be like, oh, they should do it like this. They should do it like that. So then basically we ended up talking and we thought, you know what, let's try it. Let's see if we actually know what we're talking about. So we're doing it a little bit different. Like instead of doing, you know, one book a year that's 200 pages, which is a lot of a lot of wrangling of a lot of different writers and artists, mm-hmm. we decided to do two smaller issues a year, you know, 30, 40 pages. And it's just um, – I feel like it's, it's – um, I don't know, people are more into just buying something like that. It feels like it's like, because I, I buy, I got a bunch of these anthologies. And it, some of them, it almost feels like a task to get through it because you want to read all the stories, but you want to pick the ones you like better. But then you're like, oh, some of them you don't even, they don't even interest you, but you feel like you should read them anyways because you bought the book. So I don't know. I feel like maybe you give someone a choice. Here's a book with three or four really high quality stories. I feel like that's maybe more digestible than like a big tomb of a book that you know has too many different stories going on yeah and and i i don't have a collection of anthologies the way you would but in those other ones do they have is it have that same freedom where you could do a superhero story and then it's like just a, a day in the life story whereas i feel with cauldron each of them are very unique and individual they're not the same but they're still that sci-fi fantasy world so you're buying also into a almost a genre as it were do you find that sent like zeroing in on a genre helps you guys i i think so very much yeah like again yeah, they're right they're different but they're also the like i always i say the the loose um like style we're going for is like horror fantasy but we have like Casey Pierce's story is more sort of sci-fi and it's kind of like we don't we don't know what it's going to be until we just know what we like I can't tell you like hit these guidelines to pitch to me but if you pitch me something and that's maybe outside of what we thought but it works we just we don't know what we want until we see it and we go like yeah this feels right this works for it mm-hmm. um, but yeah definitely in like the horror fantasy sort of genre and I'm not a big horror guy like you know that yeah. I, I don't think I'm a big horror guy either no not really but uh, but Martin is right. So yeah, it, yeah, huge. You also found that like people who like horror really like horror. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like ours was like the first Age of Cauldron. It's horror ish, but it's not like you know extremely like graphic type horror stuff. They're just kind of cool fantasy horror tales uh, that are a bit on the di- darker side. But like we found that there's just a whole other like a world of like horror fans that just gobble up anything like that. So, um, yeah, we kind of lean more towards like the horror stuff, but I mean like other anthologies too, they, they, they do have their themes. Like there's a, our friends, the Toronto comics anthology and they have rough different types of stories, but they're all themed that they must be based around Toronto in some way and something like that. So there's all different anthologies that have different themes like that. So we're not, we're not, we're not the only one doing like sort of a themed thing, but mm-hmm. I think we might be, we might be the only ones sort of doing exactly what we're doing, the horror fantasy thing. Yeah, and I think too, like, if you wanted to take your show on the road, as it were, and you went to any con and you showed them Cauldron, because it taps into a genre that so many people are into, it would it would appeal to a, a wide range of people. But it doesn't also feel like a huge commitment when you hold this. It's almost like it feels like an album. Like the the, the cover of the first yeah. issue was like a an album cover. And all the stuff yeah. in it was, it had, they were almost like tracks to a song. You know, you could almost play music along with them. It has that sort of feel. But it's not a huge commitment, which maybe is part of the appeal. Yeah, I think so. I, I think you're, you hit the nose uh, hit the nail right on the head like it's um like i've even been selling these guys we should get into like vinyl shops in toronto and something like not just because i feel like this type of product that we're selling is not necessarily it wouldn't do great in a comic book store the way it would in sort of a retro type shop or or a, a vinyl store or something like that like guys who buy vinyls would be into something like this i think so i think you're you're right around that same spot yeah so 
what is the process like in regards to when you guys are selecting who's going to be uh, featured in these issues? So as far as like, obviously, Adam Gorham is a big get for a cover artist. That's easy to, to, to go with. But I'm sure a lot of people might be pitching you guys stories or, or are people a lot of people pitching you guys stories? What's the process like? Yeah, we had like I, I just talked to Aaron Broferman, who's uh, does the Speech Bubble podcast, and I, I've known him for years. A great guy, and he 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 asked me why his pitches weren't accepted for Cauldron. <laughs> he pitched me two fucking superhero stories, and I was like, <laughs> "Hi, Aaron, he, we he love read, you." You read Cauldron, right? He's like, "Yeah, I love the book," and I was like, "Then why are you pitching me?" superhero so like you've read it you like it this is obviously not what we're doing and he's like oh my pitches suck and i was like they're it's not that they suck this is not what we're doing like we're not doing a superhero book um so yeah we've had a few um people pitch to us a lot of like we've gotten some bigger named people to not like huge names but you know more established people that you might have heard of type of thing but the problem is now we want to like our our goal was always start small make sure we you know don't don't get in too over our heads don't invest too much money and then you know you end up stuck with a thousand books you can't sell Mm -hmm. so we we decided to do every every issue. We do a small Kickstarter. Thousand bucks is the goal. Every time it's going to be that. Um, that way, we if we, as long as we hit that, we can do a small base print run. Have some books for the creators. Have some books to sell and fulfill the backers. If it gets bigger than that, even better. Better problem to have, right? But we so we just want to do like each issue, one little Kickstarter. But we're doing that twice a year, two books a year three or four stories in each one there's not a lot of spots up for grabs right now so we've had people pitching to us but we're, we're kind of telling them like listen good or not we might not have a spot for you until 2020 you know what i mean like i don't know but ideally like we're talking to a publisher we are talking about doing some other things to speed up the scheduling we may i i i would like by 2020 to have it be a quarterly book and have four four issues out a year one for each season essentially um and then that way we'd have more room to bring in because there's a lot of great people especially just like not just in the business just in toronto there's an amazing amount of writers and artists that um you might have heard of a ton of guys that i bet you wouldn't have heard of that are so and so talented that i want to have in this book so um it's just a matter of having spots open up and put them in because right now like like ricky Sam, they're writers. They want to. They want to have stories in their own book. So, I'm able to step back because I want to focus on Morris, and I really can't draw a lot in doing Cauldron and Morris. So I don't mind stepping back and giving my spot to talented guys like Fred Kennedy, who's amazing and established, and then Jeffrey Miles, who is someone you've never heard of, but is a really, really talented artist. Um, and then Casey, you know, he wants to showcase his work too, right? So he gets he gets his spot to do whatever he wants with it, whether he wants to draw or write or whatever. So there's only really four, maybe five spots in the book, but we're, we're trying to put in the guys we really know and like and want, and want to showcase in the world. Yeah, that, that's great. As the... Um issues as the seasons progress and more issues come out will the page counts increase or are you guys going to stick to you know this this easy four story you can four people can all edit type of uh idea that you have going right now Uh, i think i think um four stories is probably unless you get into some a couple shorter ones or something like that but i think about four stories is is just about right um what we'd like to do is each issue have again like our maybe like a a book ended with an intro outro by the dweller and the seller have the stories in the middle have a maybe a short story by you know lots of writers i know i want to work with that i i, I don't have comic book artists for but if they want to do a short pro story we can work that in like we did with casey um and then i'd like to add a bit more content in the sense of like uh we've been talking to uh i talked to martin i talked to a few other guys that i know that are really into horror movies let's do a page of uh horror movie reviews you know something like that so a bit more like magazine content maybe yeah. a letters page that's cool Yes, but not not it, what you're going to get with this new issue, the second issue, um, spring 2018, is basically what we want to be doing. A little bit more contact, uh, sorry, content. Um, you know, be a little bit like flashier with some stuff. But that that's basically what we're going to be doing. So when you, I know you answered this question, but in regards to 
pitches, have you guys been getting a ton of people approaching you with that sort of thing? Um, not a ton, I would say. But again, because we have four different editors, we got, to be honest, there's probably pitches that Sam and Ricky haven't told me about that they've gotten and mm. vice versa. So we, we have gotten, um, like I, I would say I got a good, like, you know, a couple handfuls of pitches or just creators that have expressed interest in working on something. Mm-hmm. Um, then again, it's just like, like I tell everyone too, I'm like, listen, I'd love to work with you. Or some people, I don't say that because <laughs> you don't want to work with. Yeah, I don't know, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> right now, I go. I, right now, I, I can't promise you a spot right now. Like, um, I'm working on a story with a friend of mine that is just an idea I came up with, and we're plotting it out. He's writing it. Uh, it's sort of like a musical thing to go along with my art. Mm. Um, but we don't even have a spot for that. I'm just gonna bank it, have it ready to go, and then if something falls through okay, you have a story banked ready to plug into that spot. So like you're an inventory story. Schedule or something like that. But uh, like, again, like I don't even have a spot for the story I'm working on, right? Right, right. So what I really like about this thing is, is because you have established artists and names, especially from Toronto, and you, and you have a good circle of friends who have are, are professional comic book creators, it'll be a great way to showcase, like you said, those, those up-and-coming artists that people don't know about where you put like an adam gorham short story let's say for instance and then on the next story right after that you can feature someone who only you know about but they're a phenomenal talent like i can see this thing growing to that level i don't know why i said that to you guys before but i feel it has that sort of potential to be huge yeah i appreciate that i I feel the same but again like i'm we even have like so the first the first Kickstarter we did our goal was a thousand bucks. We ended up with four grand, which is a good you know four hundred percent of your goal. But it, again, it's like you get so excited because you're like, okay, we can do this much. We can print more books, and then all of a sudden you start getting ahead of yourself. And it's four grand's good chunk of change. It's not that much yeah. money, and it doesn't go that far when you're paying for books, right? So it's easy to get ahead of yourself. But our plan was always. Start small and just grow. Make a profit. Don't lose money on something like this. Just turn it slowly, make a profit, grow with each issue. And so, like, yeah, maybe by 2020, maybe we're making a lot more, we're selling a lot more books. Maybe our Kickstarter blows up and we're making 20 grand for a Kickstarter. Then you can do a lot more stuff. You can, you know, have a, you can bring in a lot more people. And you can, and then the more eyeballs you have on it, and you can showcase better people because, yeah, you're right. I love the idea of putting someone like a Fred Kennedy who's got a following through Chapter House and his own books that he's done before. And, you know, he's got a following from the radio and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then putting him with someone like a Jeffrey Miles who I know is really good, but you guys haven't seen him before. Right. He's this really young, talented guy. I love that idea. Yeah. It's like, it's like when you – like thinking back to my own comic book reading experience, obviously you pick – You'll pick an artist like, oh, such and such artist, like, throw somebody out there. Uh, you know, George Perez is, is drawing this, but who's this writer? But you're going to read it because it's the artwork that yeah. you like or vice versa. It's a writer that you like and this writer's working with such and such artist. I, I guess I'm going to read it because I love this writer. Like it's it's a great way to, you know, have that synergy of, of building community and, and making superstars, if you if, if you will. Yeah, exactly. Like, so Ricky Lima's got a big following. He's lots of people online follow this guy. Uh, someone might buy Cauldron because they like Ricky Lima and they want to support him. But then they read, you know, you bought the book, you're going to read it all. Then they read Sanor and Jason Toskowitz's story and go, oh, fuck, this Jason Toskowitz guy, who is he? Like, his art's incredible. And then they look more into him and they find out that he's. Uh, works at Starbucks and he's kind of internet famous as the cartoonist barista that he draws little caricatures on people's coffee cups and I'm like that's pretty cool right yeah no that's great so what was the experience this time like editing instead of being actually writing and drawing your own book because now you stepped into that editor's chair did you enjoy that experience yes but it also it was a bit of a learning thing where there was a miscommunication that was sort of, I I have a problem where I assume things a lot of the time and I'm realizing when you're editing, you can't do that. You got it. Cause like if I'm writing and drawing my own story or I'm just working for with, you know, with Ricky on something cool, we're in, we, we know what we're doing. I'm working with Fred and Jeffrey or, you know, someone's working with other guys. 
I, I miscommunicated. I assumed they were on the same page about something. They weren't. And then, you know, a few weeks go by and then all of a sudden we're almost behind schedule because I didn't communicate something properly. So that was definitely something I've been learning and been getting a lot better at making sure that you're clear about what you want. Um, don't assume things because they, not everyone can read your mind, right? So if you want something done in a certain way, let them know that you want it to be, you know, this, you know, something basically down to the, uh, like we work at a different ratio than our standard comic book size. I screwed up and I didn't tell Adam Gorham that, and so he did his standard comic book size. So we got, to, and then in the end we got to tweak and make it fit for the cover, which is stuff you can do. But if you're on top of that stuff. So when when is the Kickstarter officially up and running? When can we all jump on? Um, I would say I think we're going live Monday, which is January twenty eighth. Okay. Thank you today. So depending when this, I don't know when this will come out, but I'm sure we'll be live. And, uh, yeah, I'm gonna try to put this up this weekend. So before people, if they're listening to this, it'll probably be Monday. Yeah, Monday. Monday, I think we're getting everything, like getting all our ducks in a row online. All right, so today you can go on Kickstarter and put this up there. That gives me pressure to make sure I put this on. Search for Cauldron Spring 2019, or you can go on my Instagram or Ruby's Instagram. We're going to put the link in our our bio there, so you can just click on it. And so it, it will be ready to be purchased at this year's Toronto Comic Con. And if you kickstart it, it will be uh, sent to you, delivered to you. Uh, where else would people be able to pick up the book? Oh, so um, like we'll, we'll be in a few different trees. Sometimes we get retail packages. So we were in a few shops around Toronto, like this, uh, what's it called? Thunderstruck Books. It's just on the across from the there, which, you know. Um, they carry it, uh, Stadium Comics and Brandon carry it, uh, I believe Paradise Comics carry it. There's a few different shops that have put them in there. But also, um, on top of having it ready for the March Comic Con, a week after that, we are doing an art show at the Seven Crowns Tattoo Shop, which uh, uh, is just north of Young Edmonton in Toronto. And it's just, just really great tattoo shop, and they always host art shows. Uh, we're going to do one that's just all called Jumping. So we'll be launching, I don't know the exact date, but I'll get back here on that. It will be the week after the March Month Con. Uh, they'll have a launch party. They have booze, they have food. It's all like part of the show. Uh, and then you just, they'll be part everywhere. And it's all going to be uh, just a combination of all the art, original art pieces from issues one and two of called Jumping. So then we'll have the books for sale there and stuff like that too. So it's going to be a really cool time. Are any of the uh, original pieces of art going to be on sale? Yeah, that's exactly what they're going to be selling. I, I, I mean, I think depending whether Adam's cover sells on the Kickstarter, but, you know, we'll have stuff like that. Casey's original painting for the first cover, pages from uh, mine, Keith uh, Chow, Jeff um, Miles, Jason Hosford, so just all kinds of uh, We'll have uh, Sean Daly's doing a pinup for us on Sweetie. The second issue, they'll have a piece there. So just yeah, it'll be just anyone who's doing the first two issues, which is a good chunk of artists. Now they'll be um, they can pretty much display any sort of original art they want from those. That's awesome. And you know, I noticed too with the people that you have in your first two issues, they're people that everyone likes. So we all like supporting them too. Which I like as you're listing the names of people, I'm like, I, I like that guy. I wanna, I wanna support whatever he's behind. That's great. I like that. Yeah. Well, that's like part of it is, I mean, because we wanted to start small, anyways. We basically invited, you know, like when when Sam, Ricky, and I were coming up with the idea, who do we want to involve in this? Well, there's dream guys, big name guys you want to get, but like let's let's go with one who guys we can get, and then guys that are like our friends and we like that are super talented that want to be in this and then you get someone like we knew Casey Parsons we got to know him really well after the first issue and now he's like really he's a really close friend of mine and he's just such an amazing artist that's been just blowing up so it's like guys like that guys that I want to be around that's the people I want to have in the book right like what am I going to do I'm not inviting shitheads to fucking draw in my book (laughs) 
Yeah, no, that, and a lot of times people do because you know what, the guy's a jerk, but people buy it because they like how it looks. But it, it, all of the guys you name, like they're just good, they're good, genuine dudes to encounter at a show. Like they're nice to speak to, and they're engaging and friendly and humble. But then at the same time, they're super talented. Other than yeah. you, I mean, you're you're a bit of a jerk, but I love you anyways. I am, I'm a prick. <laughs> uh, but also, not not just the thing about like these people it's not just that they're super talented too we've also picked people that we know will get stuff done that right. we've worked with before and we know that come to, you know like like Gorham was really busy he agreed to do the cover and he's super busy he's doing Marvel stuff Valiant stuff and then you know we're a little bit behind on schedule and they say well is Adam going to get the cover done I know Adam he's a machine and I don't worry that Adam's going to get it done Sean Daly, I know, will get a pinup done. If he tells me he'll get me a pinup, he'll give me a pinup. So guys like that, we because I don't, I want this project to be stress-free. I don't want to be stressing right. for 30 days about hitting a high Kickstarter goal. I don't want to be stressing about getting people's pages in. Right. So we line stuff up. If someone falls through and doesn't come through, we have another story backed up, ready to go. Uh, but generally, we're working with people that I'm pretty sure will come through. Yeah, that's that's super important, having that dependability as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So, if I can switch gears for a second, can I talk to you about Morris? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. So, I know you're working on the next thing of uh, issue of Morris. It's going to be a little bit bigger than the previous, the first issue of it. How is that coming along for you? Not good. Um. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Not good. Uh. <laughs> uh, no, so I, I have a, a so I'm working on uh, I believe it's about fifty or sixty pages, so it'll be like um, uh, sort of a s- smaller sized uh, graphic novel uh, instead of doing issues one, two, three of Morris. I want to just start doing stories that are like a complete story in one little trade. I can collect it, and then that way you don't have to worry about oh i haven't read this one so i can't read this one the idea with morris is put out these trades complete story and you can pick up any one of them without reading any others and still you know not be lost you know what's kind of the basic concept that morris is breaking this down but that being said i've been super busy i have a great script from fred kennedy um which i'm just kind of going through and we're, we're tweaking things a little bit here and there but um basically i'm just i'm just starting to like sit down and start working on it i wanted to have it for this march comic-con as well does not going to happen for sure i maybe would have it maybe for tcaf but if anything it would be uh launching at like fan expo this year but uh, i am working on it right now i'm just um uh, I just joined up at Raid. I'm starting there February 1st. Oh, that's uh, so great. Congratulations. I like once, I, it's once I settle in there, I can, you know, get actually get down to work because, I don't know, my home life, sometimes there's a lot of distractions. It's hard to sit down and get stuff done. Yeah, sometimes you need to be around, like you need that little bit of inspiration of seeing what, every, what oh, you're doing that? I got to, you know, I got to get my butt into gear and get my pages done for my thing. Yeah, that's that's. Exactly. That's great that you're you're so you have officially a, a table like a table there your own spot you're in the in the studio. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I just got to get set up and like um, get. I don't know. I don't. I have a drafting table that I was never using, and then uh, Chris Yao, my roommate, who's also an artist, he kind of started using it because um, I wasn't using it, and it was he's gotten more use out of it than I ever have. But now I need a drafting table to put in at Raid, and I don't feel right taking the, <laughs> my table away from Chris. So I don't know what to do. I guess i got to buy a new one. <laughs> <laughs> but So, I, th- I mean, it would be a great goal to see you at TCAF with, with, this, uh, with the second edition of Morris. So how long do you think if you, if you went down and, you know, you buckled down, you put your head in, on... on Put your head down into the paper, the pen. How long would it take you to put together 50 to 60 pages? Are you a page a day kind of guy? No, because I just, um, I work full time too and I just don't have as much time to be able to do a whole page a day. But I probably, I'm more like a couple pages a week. Okay. Uh, but that being said, I just, I need to put my head down and do more. So um, I'd like to, I'd like to get maybe three four pages done a week especially like once i'm at raid you're in that environment with all these other amazing artists and you're seeing what they're doing and everyone's working away there i feel like i that's that's part of the reason i, I wanted to join there 
you've seen my house. I don't need the space. I got all the space that I need for for drawing. Mm-hmm. But I want to be I want to be in that environment around guys like Ramon Perez and Gabe Sapienza and Gibson Quarter and Scott Hepburn. These amazing talented artists. Just by osmosis, you see what they're doing, and you're like, okay, I got to work harder. I got to be better. Right. So we could maybe possibly see it at TCAF, but for sure, Fan Expo. Oh, 100% it'll be ready before Fan Expo. Okay. Because um, I'm excited just, to I read like, it. I like, to, I like to launch it at an event. So yeah. uh, if Fan Expo is the next big thing, maybe that's what I'd do. But yeah, maybe I can get it done by TCAF. I mean, we'll see. We'll see my progress. The only problem now is we have a table for TCAF, but it's as a cauldron table. So I don't feel right kind of launching my Morris book there at the same time. So, uh, But maybe, uh, maybe if I get my own solo table, I'll do something like that. Oh, that'd be great. So, are you when, in in your creative process when you're approaching uh, a, a book where the full script is done? Because I know with the first uh, Morris, it, you wrote it, you drew it, you did everything. It was all you, with uh, of course coloring and inking from other people. But um, in this case, do you lay out all your panels? Would you lay out all your panels for the entire story first? kind of knowing the direction that you're going in or do you just do page per page what feels right no not page for page i kind of do um scene for scene in a sense sort of like okay. i always feel like a like movie style so you know uh, this this scene everything that's happening in this one room or wherever i like to get that hammered out and i like to break it down and make sure all my scenes are sort of in the right place and then i'll kind of do it and I, like i have a bit of uh, small attention span so sometimes i don't i don't work like how I, the proper way to work essentially so sometimes i'll lay out some stuff and then i want to start drawing right away and i'll start working on it even though i haven't drawn laid out the rest of it or you know i just kind of bounce around and do all over so um i don't know i'd like to get actually better at my process be a bit more efficient with it but um yeah i can't really say exactly how i'm gonna be working on this but um yeah i, I usually go like sort of more scene by scene yeah, that makes sense. Well, I, I definitely think your process is going to get a lot sharper and refined being around people like, like you said, Ramon Perez and Scott Hepburn. Like you can't help by, like you said, osmosis. It's gonna, it's gonna rub off on you. So that's great. I, I can't wait for this next issue. And I like the fact that it's going to be oversized in the sense of you're gonna have sixty pages worth of story because it's like it reminds me back of like good old-fashioned annuals or anniversary issues where you got a full story in something and it and it kind of mattered instead of like oh i got this you know 22 pages that was fun it was a one and done but this will feel something like tangible you know like you can read again and again that's good yeah because one and done issues are cool but 22 pages for one and done always just feels a little little too short you're right so i kind of like and also i always compare it to i like i love um like Hellboy trades where it's, you know, three or four issues collected into one book. I, I really like those a lot. Quick reads, but you get a whole story. You don't feel ripped off because you have to, you know, wait for the next issue, that type of thing. So mm-hmm. I always try to base my sort of model around that type of thing. Awesome. That's great, man. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing the success of Cauldron unfold. And uh, I, I think you're going to have more done by TCAF. That's, that's what I'm betting on. Let's, you know what? I'll make it happen. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's gonna happen. Anything else that uh, you you wanna you wanna pitch Should or I, can, I talk, can I talk about the rewards on the Kickstarter? Yeah, roughly? absolutely. Just, yeah, let's go for it. Of course. Quickly. So you'll have the original art for Adam Gorham's cover. You'll have some original pages from Casey. Original pages from I think Jason Toskowitz's story, uh, and then. The last time around, I agreed to do 25 head sketches, which was a little too much for me. So this time around, we've broken it down. So you can get a head sketch reward from Jeffrey Miles, Casey Parsons, Keith Kuchow, myself, Ricky Lima, or Sam Noir. They've all agreed to do, I think there's a limit of five on each per artist. So you can get a head sketch to go along with the book. You can get just the digital copy of the book for five bucks, or I think it's eight bucks for the first two issues. Uh, you can get the physical copy of the book you can, if you want if you're in toronto you can get a local pickup so we don't charge you shipping and you pick it up at you know a tcaf or, or comic-con wherever we're going to be one of those events um and then you can get yeah you can if you missed it on the first issue you can get 
a package of both one and two. Um, and then what I'm really excited about, I was just plotting it out. Um, I've gotten really good at making hot sauces. Hmm. So we're, hmm. we're doing a hot sauce, a cauldron ghost pepper hot sauce. I grew all these ghost peppers last year that I didn't know what to do with. So uh, we're, we're turning them into a, a super hot cauldron ghost pepper hot sauce. That'll be one of the rewards. You can get the book. Plus the hot sauce, and it'll come with a little label with Casey's uh, first cover on it. It's I was gonna just going to really say, cool. that would be a great that would be a great label for a hot sauce. Yeah, yeah, I'll show you, like, the mock-up I did of it. I'll send it to you. It looks pretty it, – it's, like, classic, like, cheesy, like, hot sauce with flames in the background. But it's going to be real. I made a really nice hot sauce, and basically I'm going to be doing, like, a, a, a more improved version of that, which is going to be really cool. Awesome. Well, I, is yeah. there is there going to be a, a head sketch hot sauce uh, tier that you can get? Because I want that one. Um, I didn't think about that, but uh, I guess we could do that. Yeah, we'll make <laughs> the, we'll make that tier just for you. Okay, that's the Eric Anthony special tier for Cauldron. All right, you got it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, dude. I I'm looking forward to it. And for anybody listening, be sure to uh, support Cauldron on on their Kickstarter and go to this year's Toronto Comic Con, and you can meet all the guys who are a part of it. Yeah, it'll be really cool. Thanks, yeah. thanks for having me on again to promote this. No problem. Man. Anything you got, I, I Cave of Solitude Fastball Special. We're here for you, dude. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of The Cave of Solitude. Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook. You can also uh, follow us on Instagram. Uh, just search Cave of Solitude on whatever social media you got, and we'll be there. Remember, if you rate, rate and review us on iTunes, it helps get the show uh, out there for, people, for more people to listen and tell a friend if you like the show, of course. And don't forget to check out some of my other favorite podcasts, such as Fastball Special, my good buddy Martin Slam Duncan, and the Comic Shenanigans with my good buddy Adam Chapman. Thank you once again for listening. This is the Cave of Solitude. We will be back soon.